Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, our diversely and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention together to breathe, to reflect and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. Are you interested in advertising with the Action Catalyst? Our listeners could be hearing about your brand right here, right now. For details, shoot us an email at info at theactioncatalyst.com. Today on The Action Catalyst, we are very excited to be interviewing Mr. Todd Brown. That's with an E at the end of Brown. Todd is the president of the Tom James Company, which is the world's largest custom clothier. Tom James has more than 600 sales professionals and a total of 3,500 employees worldwide with more than 100 offices on four different continents. Leading that company is a very tall order. And fortunately, Todd Brown is a very tall man. Listeners, Todd stands at six feet, nine inches tall. Yeah, Todd, you didn't start out as president. In fact, you didn't even start your career with Tom James. Would you please share some of the key stages in your career before you joined Tom James and how you came to be part of the company? And we're delighted to have you on the Action Catalyst. Well, Dan, thank you so much. Um, It is a great honor and a great privilege to spend some time with you all as well as um, your listeners. Um, And um, uh, I believe that um, you won't hear a single original thought or idea, but um, but yet one that has come from um, the associations uh, of the likes of Mr. Hayes, as well as you, Dan, and and just uh, literally hundreds of others. Um, But uh, it, it is a great blessing to, to share some of the things that I've learned um, from so many brilliant folks with each of you. I have to say that prior to, to Tom James, that most of my um, key stages in life um, were um, had more to do with failure than it did success prior to Tom James. Um, I always thought that I wasn't very smart when I went through school. So therefore, didn't get very good grades. I was, I was a classic underachiever, um, mostly because my self-esteem and, and self-confidence were low. Um, as a result, didn't apply myself very much. Whenever the going would get tough, I would, I would usually quit. Um, I remember when my mom passed away when I was 16 that I had tremendous regret because she had, she had poured so much into me, but yet she, um, before she left this earth, did not see the fruit of, of much of her labor that she poured into me. And, and for that, I, I remember experiencing a lot of regret. Um, the, the opportunity that I had just prior to Tom James was at a retail store called Jacobson's. And um, Jacobson's uh, is out of business today, but it would um, most closely compare to a, a Nordstrom's. And I was in the men's clothing department. And there was a gentleman there that I had done business with um, for some time, an attorney. His name was Jim Gooden. Um, and Jim would, would buy clothes um, along with his wife, Jane, and they would come in um, uh, typically twice a year. And um, we would make made-to-measure clothing for him. And I remember calling him for about um, a six-month period. And, and um, he, he would, of course, be very kind and generous and said, yeah, we'll see if we can come in. And he would never come in. And I was thinking to myself, what the heck did I do to, to upset this guy? Um, where did I go wrong? And, um, and so um, 
about two years into my time at, at Jacobson's, I got a phone call from uh, a recruiter at Tom James. Um, his name was Frank Spear. And um, Frank said that he was referred to myself through um, a client. And uh, sure enough, it was Jim Gooden. And the reason why Jim Gooden was not doing business with me at Jacobson's is because he had found greener pastures uh, getting fine clothing from Tom James, which I guess today I couldn't blame him. Um, so that was um, that was the way that I had come to Tom James. It was through word of mouth, um, as so many of our opportunities come. And um, I still maintain a relationship with Jim. Uh, he, he continues to be a client of Tom James. Um, and I often re, um, um, tell him thank you for changing at least this guy's course um, by referring me to Tom James. That That's fabulous. Uh, now, now, Jacobson's, your role there was primarily inside sales. Clients would come to you and you'd build a clientele. Tom James is very much outside sales, generating clients and going for them. And I think you started in a sales role with Tom James. Could you describe what a typical day in the life of a Tom James professional is like? Well, um, I did start in sales and, and I'm still in sales. I, I don't get to see clients um, like I used to, but everything that we do um, is, is still um, has to do with sales, doesn't it? Yes. So, um, at, at Tom James, um, our, our typical, our typical day at Tom James is that we, we get into the office, um, by seven, sometimes earlier. Um, we, we spend some time reviewing our, our goals and our affirmations. Um, we, we take a look at our short-term and long-term goals. We, we look at what uh, our objective is this particular month. Um, and then, um, today. Um, we set an objective that um, we would see um, our clients uh, to serve their clothing needs. Uh, our objective is to set up an 8, a 9, a 10, 11, and a 12 o'clock appointment. Um, make um, two deliveries, um, two to three deliveries in the afternoon, and then be back at the office by 3 o'clock. And then we have phone time where we are making phone calls to set up our um, um, our next days or weeks um, of um of appointments, five thirty to six thirty. Usually, we we take care of the details from the day, make sure that we have dotted all of our eyes and crossed our t's, and um, either go to evening appointments or go home. One of the one of the two. It's a typical day, which was considerably different than what I did at, at Jacobson's, where you would typically just sit at the desk and and wait for someone to walk in. At Tom James, um, no one walks in the front door. Uh, the only thing that happens are the things that you make happen, and so. Uh, starting your day with uh, the right kind of self-talk, um, uh, as well as um, some long-term as well as short-term goals and understanding your pay value very, very clearly, um, um, uh, along with having a purpose to drive it all. Um, it is most critical, um, as you all have experienced in your own responsibilities. So um, that uh, that is the, the day, the typical day in life. Um, in a Tom James sales professional's uh, um, career. Right. And I believe if I went to any one of your more than 100 offices, whether it's in Australia or in London or any place else, we would find people following the same schedule. Would you say that that's a, a worldwide system you've got in place? Well, if, if you have con conveyed um, your, um, 
the principles of your company and your philosophies, um, the values that you stand for, and and then conveyed very clearly your expectations of of what um, what is expected and how we go about achieving that expectation. Then you you should see um, a pretty consistent um, path, regardless of where um, what office that you are visiting, um, whether it be in the States or, or abroad. So I would, I would like to say yes, that that's exactly what you'll see no matter where you go, Dan. That That's awesome. Uh, Todd, I know my own personal Tom James Taylor is somebody that has done a great job building customer loyalty with me. She provides excellent service, is not pushy in any way, but always there and reaches out on a consistent, regular basis. What would you say are, are the keys to building customer loyalty so that it's not just a one-time sale, but it becomes a real true client? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, we are honored to serve you, Dan, and, and the thousands of others that we do around the world. Um, we serve at the discretion of our clients. That's the reason why we exist at Tom James. And and on the, on an individual basis, um, what, um, what I have found through studying um, a lot of individuals as well as a lot of books. Um, I think that there are a couple key principles um, to maintaining longstanding relationships because at Tom James, we, we don't want to just serve the needs of our, of our clients one time. We want to serve them for as long as they have, um, well, for as long as they're wearing clothing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's great. Uh, Mark Twain said that, that Dan, that, um, um, naked people have little to no influence over society. So, so we plan on keeping that going, but <laughs> our, uh, um, our beliefs at, um, with servant clients is the, I believe the most important thing is that we always serve the needs of our clients and never our own. There's a principle that, that Spencer shared with me early on in my Tom James career. And that is that if I will just help enough people get what they want, I'll get what I want. And that principle doesn't say, well, as long as you wear suits every day, that um, then it's going to work out for me. Um, or as long as you buy twice a year, it, it's going to work out. It, it's going to be good. No, it says that if I will stay focused on Dan Moore or our other clients, if, if we will serve your needs ahead of our own, we never have to worry another day about ourselves. And so when we sit down with our clients, we want to find out where they go, who they see, what they do, and what they want. And if we will take our clothing and we will put those based upon our, our vast knowledge and training um, of, the, of, of clothing um, and what's appropriate for which occasion, when we put our clothing into each of those situations that our clients and prospects experience, then that's the way that you will serve the needs of your clients rather than your own. Um, I think the second key ingredient to a long-standing relationship with our clients is, um, is integrity. You all have heard that many a times. Integrity defined, I believe, more than anything. It's just very simply doing what you say you're going to do. Um, when you read the books, the two most significant concerns that our um, clients in any endeavor have 
is that um, are you going to be here long enough um, to deliver? And are you going to do what you say you're going to do? Those are the two foremost concerns on every person's mind when they are considering to do business with you or not. And then, of course, what follows is the first thing that I said was, um, are we going to serve their needs and not our own? So when when we make those two things, there's plenty of other things, but I believe that those are the two foundational pieces that will provide the platform um, for a very longstanding relationship, regardless of what the product or service is. Absolutely right. Now, you, you did move up into leadership as well, Todd, you, although you started as a very successful salesperson. And we often see in the world of sports an outstanding athlete who gets promoted to become a coach. And there are some that make that transition, but there are many more that don't. And not every great salesperson can develop the ability to lead other salespeople. Well, can you share with us what some of the challenges you faced in making that transition and, and what mindset you adopted? as you move from sales to, to management. And I believe you were a, a selling manager for a long time as well, like a player coach. Well, uh, um, I, my only experience prior to Tom James in any kind of a leadership capacity came from Boy Scouts. And, um, and I found that a lot of the principles that uh, I learned in Boy Scouts transferred also to Tom James. Um, I would say the, the, the first principle that I had to learn was that um, the, the same um, principles in sales are that, that you and we utilize to um, serve our clients are the exact same um, principles that you use in developing and building people. It's, it's, it's the same skill set. When you are transferring your thoughts and ideas and knowledge of what is best for this individual, you're you're looking to make a sale um, of, of clothing. Well, the, the principles are exactly the same thing in, in leading people. They're the same principles um, when when making the sale. You're the um, um, the product is different, um, but it's the same principles. And so learning that first and foremost was a very uh, valuable lesson for myself. And um, on a real practical level, early on, I, I remember the, because um, you don't know what you don't know. And so um, the, the question I would ask myself often as I was new into leadership is that if I, if I were in Dan's shoes or just fill in the blank, if I were in, in Dan's shoes and he was thinking what he was thinking and, um, I was um, um, I was thinking the way that he is and, and struggling with the things that he is struggling with. And what would I need to see or hear to respond differently or favorably? And, and so I would just consistently put myself in other people's shoes. Um, and, and I found that um, starting out with as I was um, not competent in leadership, I found that to be a very valuable process. Um, I think secondly, that, that it is critical for us to move into leadership um, because we want to give, not to get. Most of us, I believe, 
um, go into leadership because we want to get. But you see, the only way that it works is, again, you go back to that same principle as you do in sales, that if I'll just help enough people get what they want, I'll get what I want. And if I do not serve the needs of the people above my own, they will see right through it and I'll have no influence with them at all. And so if if you will get into leadership because you want to make a lifelong difference in someone else's life to, to help them achieve their goals and their dreams and their desires, um, if, if that maintains to be your focus and never self, you if you are in that posture to give, you will get plenty. But if you move into leadership to get, you won't give hardly anything. And it won't sustain itself in leadership because people will not follow you. Um, and then lastly, I think that it is so important, especially as we grow into our leadership and, and greater responsibilities in, in leadership, we have a tendency to forget what it's like to be brand new, to start this new opportunity, whichever that may be. And, and so I think it's so important that we um, should always be patient with people. As leaders, we need to be impatient with results. We need to get results because that's our number one job. Um, but to do that, um, we have got to, to, to work with people from where they are at. So be patient with people and help them to develop um, into um, the people that they desire to be and achieve the things that they want to do and have. That is a phenomenal insight. The fact that leaders that give rather than get, have the best and most powerful impact. So that's an attitude that can carry over directly from sales. Serve your clients, don't worry about yourself, and then it'll all work out in the long run in a great way. That's, that's terrific. Now, when, when you became president, you followed in the footsteps of some great leaders, um, Jim McEachern, Bob Shearer. Uh, what was the size of Tom James roughly in sales when you became president? That was October of 2010, and we had uh, 441 sales professionals. Um, our total combined sales um, were about uh, $230 million. And now you're well over 600 and over $500 million in sales. And I would say those philosophies made a difference. As close as I can project um, will end, I believe, at... Um, about 663 sales professionals and um, um, our sales will um, exceed um, probably close to 600 million. Absolutely phenomenal, Todd, and uh, grateful for your leadership and making that happen for people. Well, Dan, on, on, on that note, I can't, I can't bypass the opportunity to, to give credit where credit is due. Um, the, um, the thing that is quite extraordinary is that if you will surround yourself by people that are a whole lot sharper than yourself, it's amazing how good they'll make you look. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. I know that those are, are attitudes that you picked up also from Spencer, and you mentioned him already. You and I were both blessed by very long associations with Spencer, and he was the founder of Tom James back in, in 1966. Uh, the 50th anniversary celebration at which Spencer was there was one of the great moments that I've ever had a chance to visit. A tremendous achievement. I, I wonder if you could share a couple of specific examples of, of advice and mentoring you got from, from Spencer that was 
very material in helping you with Tom James, just as Spencer built so many great companies. There, uh, as you well know, then there are uh, a vast amount of lessons that we have all learned from Mr. Hayes and those that I cherish each and every day. In fact, um, that purpose piece I spoke of before, so important, um, before there's, there's, um, there's kind of this entrance area into my, uh, before I walk into my office, and the very first thing I see every single morning when I walk into my office is um, a picture of Spencer and the principles from which he founded um, Tom James, as well as um, led all the businesses that he was associated with. And it just reminds me again to, of um, what, um, what I desire to do, and that is to not focus on self, but to focus on honoring and blessing the people um, that have come before me, the people that are the reason I'm even where I'm at. Um, Spencer, I would say that um, the most valuable lessons from Spencer have been um, a couple of things, the principles from which um, he established uh, Tom James. And um, those, um, those principles, you know, when Spencer um, passed and left this earth at the beginning of March of, of 17, he prepared us for his departure um, when we were founded um, by establishing Tom James on a core set of principles. You see, we weren't tied to Spencer, but we were tied to the principles from which we built our company on. So I would say first and foremost, um, principles. Um, the second, which I have touched on uh, before, and that is to be uh, a giver, not a taker. And Spencer modeled that in just a variety of ways, um, including um, instead of owning 100% of the company himself, he, he chose to share it with all the employees. Um, I think a, another valuable lesson from Spencer that I learned was to be consistent. He would always say that a lot of people can do well over a short period of time, but only few can do well over a long period of time because of their willingness or lack thereof to adhere to the principles. Um, and I saw um, from Spencer, um, he instilled a very, very strong work ethic. I'd be out with him very um, frequently as late as 10 o'clock, and he was still going as strong as he was at nine that morning. And and I'm exhausted, and, and I'm saying, how in the world does this guy do it? But he had a work ethic. Uh, that was second to none. Um, a couple of the favorite, um, I, I guess, um, mantras that he shared with me that I think about often. Um, one of the things that he would say uh, that that sticks with me every day is that um, that I always want to focus on things that bring people together, not divides them. Um, most of us, you know, politics. It's a very divisive topic um our um, um maybe our our religious beliefs can be decisive divisive um and so spencer would would always model to stay focused on the things that we have in common the things that bring us together not the things that alienates people or divides people i think about that every day i also think about uh, what he said to me that um people were for, will forget um, what you said, um, but they will always remember how you made them feel. 
And so it's not so much the information that we give people, but it's it's more so how we make people feel. And I believe that's the reason why Spencer affirmed every single person um, when when he would put you on the phone um, and make a phone call to you because he he knew that principle that it was far more important that people um, would remember how you made them feel than anything that you ever said. Um, one of the, um, the last videos that we did on Spencer, he ended that um, video with this. He said, um, I'm not successful yet, but I'm working real hard to become successful. <laughs> that is classic Spencer. Well, that is just great. Now, that's a, a great segue into principles and philosophies. Um, what would you say are some of the core principles that you follow when you're, when you're making decisions, Todd? Because sometimes those decisions are very difficult. They, they do involve people. Uh, sometimes people that strive for the same level of promotion, but only one can get it. Sometimes people that in the past were good performers, but they're not good performers. Um, uh, what, what would you say are some of the core principles you use in making difficult decisions? involving people so the the first thing is is that um we have to have a basis for our decision making um most of us without a basis we go through making decisions either through uh, what is convenient for us um or um, the path of least resistance of which neither is well founded and so um, our basis for our decision-making in a leadership capacity has always got to be with the end in mind. What result is it that we want to get? Um, what is it that we are going to achieve in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years? And, and what result are we here to achieve this year? And, and I start every single day with what it is that we are here to accomplish 20 years from now and this year. That's, that's what I start every single day with um, so that I have in place um, a very clear foundation from which to make decisions on. Because then with, when, when I get asked questions, when I have phone calls uh, or, or emails of, of requests or recommendations, I always ask two questions. Um, it, is this going to further us to accomplish our objectives this year? Is this consistent with hitting our these objectives? Will it help us hit our objectives this year? And if the answer is yes, then I ask a second question. And then I ask the, the question, is it the right time? Because it can be the right thing, but not the right time. For instance, on, on, a, uh, on a very basic level, if I'm just starting out a brand new career, is it, is it right for me to take time off and, and to go to work on the business versus in the business and to refresh my batteries? Of course, that's the right thing. But is it the right time to do it a month into my career? It's not. And so, therefore, we always have to ask the question, is this the right thing to help us achieve our objectives? And then is it the right time? And so both of those questions have to be asked um, when, when we're making any decision on a daily basis from a leadership capacity, regardless of what seat that we sit in, whether it's company broad or, or just with an individual. Um, so I, I would say that, that 
um, that that would be the beginning of my um, foundation for the way that um, I make decisions on a daily basis. Um, I would say the second piece then is um, is focused on is this best for the individual? I don't I don't first go to um, is this the best thing for Tom James, but when you're building people, um, um, people always want to know that you have their best interest at heart rather than the company's even or rather than your own. And, and so you have to ask the question, is this the best thing for our people? And, um, and then the second question is, is it the best thing for Tom James? It, for something to work, it can't be a win-lose. It has to be a win-win. And so, but, but, but you got to first, um, to make sure you got your priorities right, you got to make sure that you make the right decisions by the people first. And then you ask the question, is the right thing for the company? And, um, and as long as it's a win-win and it's the right time, um, uh, the vast majority of times it's the right decision. Um, I guess lastly, I would say in terms of my decision-making, I, um, I think about what, what Spencer would, um, would always say in every one of his talks. And that's three things, set high goals, have good self-talk and hold yourself accountable. I can't tell you how many talks he gave, Dan, that he would just expand on those three points of setting high goals, having good self-talk, and hold yourself accountable. Now, equally, if not even more important, Todd, a person's individual principles can extend to them. But how do you promote and extend those philosophies and those core beliefs through an organization that literally spans the world? Uh, even from the time somebody new joins your company? One of the things that Covey said before he passed away, Stephen Covey, before he passed, he said, if I had to do it all over again, I'd do two things different within his organization. He said, I would, um, I would have spent more time on the people um, coming into the organization and I would have spent more time on training those individuals. And, um, and so as I, as I remember reading that and, and thinking on that, um, I, um, I made a move that I wanted to spend the first four hours of our brand new hires career with them when they come to Nashville. And so um, uh, every single one of our hires, they come to uh, Nashville for a week. Um, they go back to their individual offices for about uh, a five-week period and then go, go back to Nashville for another two weeks. Um, but in that very first week, those first four hours of their, of their career, um, I get to spend with them. Um, and it is a great honor and a great privilege um, to be able to, to spend time with our people that will mold and shape the future of our company. And... Um, and I remember when I started with Tom James myself some 28 years ago, one of the things that I got back then were a copy of the principles. And it said principles for building a great organization by Spencer Hayes. And I remember no, um, uh, no disrespect, but I, 
after about two years, I remember crossing Spencer's name off and writing my own name in there because that's when I took ownership of those principles. And so one of the things that we cover in those four hours are the principles from which we run our company and explain to, to each and every one of those individuals that um, they get a laminated copy and they're, it says principles for building a great organization. And, and I always um, um, bring a smile to their face, but because I've got their name underneath it. And I said, I'm, I'm giving you all a little head start. It took me two years to take ownership. So I'm, I'm giving you all a head start. But we go over those principles um, because it, what, what, what is so valuable about principles is that it, it helps you to, to make thoughtful decisions versus emotional decisions. You see, principles are truth. And, and the way that the majority, the, the way that I went about making decisions prior to the principles was how I felt at that moment in that time. And, and you can take that as far to say that there is not one single good emotional decision that you can make. Um, but we are called to make thoughtful, principled decisions. And when I start making principled decisions, not how I felt at that given moment that time, um, it, it was interesting. That's when I started to experience um, success as well. If if emotional decisions, how I felt at that moment, that time, if those were well-founded, then everyone would be successful. Everyone would do well. But we all know that that's not the case. And so um, those um, those principles are what we start everyone's career on. And, um, and we maintain a focus on that with every single piece of our training from the first day um, throughout their career. Now, shifting gears just a little bit. Todd, I know over the years, you, like any other leader of a thriving and growing business, faced roadblocks. You, you faced setbacks, things that were unexpected, uh, more than wrinkles, more than just curveballs. What have you found to be some effective ways to at least emotionally manage ourselves when we're faced with a really what looks like insurmountable problem? That's a wonderful question. And um, it's, it's an eventuality, just as you said, for all of us. Um, I think the first thing that you have to do is you have to um, prepare yourself for emotional situations when you are in a rational state of mind. And so we know that these eventualities are going to come up. We, we know that we are going to face obstacles and trials. And, and so, therefore, we have got to already make some predetermined decisions before those things even come up. And one of them is, is if, if I'm even going to quit or not, am I going to keep doing this thing? And, um, and so uh, in my personal life and in my professional life, you know, marriage is not easy. And, and um, you bring two people together from two different backgrounds with two different ways they've been raised. And then you mesh them together. It's not easy. Um, but, but one of the decisions that I made um, when I married my wife is that, that for better or for worse, that this, um, I know we're going to hit rough patches and rough times and rocky roads, but I made a decision that I'm in it for life. I also made that same decision at Tom James. I'm going to hit some rough patches. But while I'm in a rational state of mind, I'm going to prepare myself for these emotional situations with some predetermined decisions. And, and um, Jim McEachern said it well, our previous CEO, in, in the label of every one of his coats, it said, I ain't quitting. 
he had already made the decision that no matter what the situation, that he wasn't going to quit. I say often myself, I've been with Tom James for 29 years and married for 29 years, and I ain't quitting on either one. But I've decided that before I faced the difficult or emotional situation. Um, what, what Zig Ziglar says to us is um, obstacles are those frightening things that we see when we lose sight of our goals. And so we got to start out each and every day, as I said before, with reviewing our goals and what we're building, what we're going to accomplish and why we're going to accomplish it. Um, and then we're called to stay focused um, on the objectives rather than the obstacles. Um, a very simple truth is that whatever you think about the most, whatever you look at the most, whatever you affirm with your lips the most, very simply wins. And so we must be intentional with the things we look at every day, the things that we think about every day, and the things that we affirm every day. And it has to be intentional. The last piece that I would that I would say that is so important when dealing with the, the trials that, that everyday life brings you. Um, and, and that is to start out every single day with gratitude. You see, gratitude changes your perspective. Um, it makes sense of your past. Um, it brings peace to today and it provides a vision for tomorrow. So start out every single one of your days with gratitude, and it will change the perspective from which the trials you face on a daily basis. It will change your perspective with each and every one of those. That's just phenomenal. Todd, as we kind of wrap up, I wonder if you could share some quick guidance with our listeners on a couple of topics. First of all, most of the people listening to this podcast are building businesses or organizations or they're leading other people or they will soon be doing so. What are some big insights that you could share with somebody that, that wants to quit? They, they've lost the vision. They're discouraged. Any ideas you can pass on on how to encourage those kinds of people? Well, we know from a leadership capacity, it's not a matter of if they're going to get discouraged. It's a matter of when. Because many of these things that I'm speaking to you about today, they don't come naturally. And, and all of us in our own frailty, um, we, um, uh, we lose our way and, um, and our people lose their way. And that's why leadership is so critical. Um, and when, when our folks do lose their way, one of the things that I just delight in doing is to remind them um, of how good they really are. And I do that by taking them back to their previous successes. Show them the tremendous accomplishments that they have had. And ask them, what were the things that you did that caused that to happen? You see, again, what is happening when, when, when they hit a slump, um, when they're in the valley, they're just spending too much time thinking about themselves. They're thinking too much time about the things that they don't want. Um, and, and so what we have to do is we got to take them back to their points of success and remind them how brilliant they are. Remind them how talented and skilled that they are. Um, 
because they've just forgotten it. It's just gotten covered up with, with, um, with a bunch of gunk. Um, we, the, the, the next thing that we got to do with them is that we have to project. Jim McEachin, our previous CEO, he, he, would, he would start off many conversations with let's suppose. And, and he would say, let's suppose that I saw five people every day. And, and that I set up seven appointments every day and that I asked everyone for referrals every day in every appointment. How much business do you think that you would do on a daily basis? And, and we would go down a projection. A projection gets us to start considering the possibilities and gets us out of our circumstances. And then once we start considering possibilities, our mind stops looking at the obstacles and the problems, and it starts looking at the opportunities, um, the possibilities. Um, and, and then we start locating solutions. Um, thirdly, um, there is no greater principle in leadership than the Pygmalion principle. And that Pygmalion principle most easily um, carried out, most I should say most practically carried out, is by communicating expectations. You see, the Pygmalion principle is seeing people for what they can be, not for what they are. It doesn't take any talent. It doesn't take any skill or ability from a leader to, to, to see people for the way that they're acting. But true leadership, they see people for how they can be, not for how that they are. And, and then they affirm them in with their words. Um, they, they literally... Um, communicate into reality um, how they see people and they on a practical level do that um, by way of communicating expectations what they expect people to do because we don't expect great things out of people we don't believe in so it's the most practical way to carry out that big million principle with our people and then and then lastly go to work on their goals Go to, go to work on their goals and their dreams and their desires. Uh, have them make a list of the things that they want to do. Um, what are the things that they want to have? What, what are the places that they want to go? And then what kind of person do they want to become? Have them make a list and then have them make, you know, kind of do a um, like um, NCAA tournament. Have them, have them do a tournament with every two and to see which one is the dominant one until you get one dominant one for each one of those four areas. And, um, and then develop a plan to achieve it. And, um, and when our people go into a slump, Albert Gray says, talk more about purpose um, than about activity. Um, we all know what we're supposed to do, um, but we've just forgotten why we want to do it. Right. That's fantastic. An opposite situation might be somebody that's doing extremely well, but you can tell they've gotten complacent. They're sort of in a rut. They're not really growing, not doing their best. Any thoughts on how to make that person break out of that complacency rut and actually do what they're capable of? Uh, I, I quoted Albert Gray just a little bit ago. Um, he wrote a very simple little book, pamphlet, if you will, called The Common Denominator of Success. And, um, and a lot of people say, well, I've got a family um, or, or I've got a lot of responsibilities. And isn't, isn't that enough um, to make me do what I'm supposed to do? And the answer is no. And, and so what, um, 
Um, the common denominator of success is doing the things that failures don't want to do. And, and what causes us to do that? When, when we go into a slump, we've got to spend more time thinking about purpose, more, more time about the, the reason why I want to accomplish the things that I want to accomplish. Um, and, and the vast majority of those things have nothing to do with self and have to do with others. You see, I can give up on self. I can, I can um, rationalize why I shouldn't do this or, or do that. Um, but, but when I want to do things for other people, um, the focus comes off of self. The arrows come off of, of inward and they go outward. And they, and they help us develop a greater purpose because, because quite frankly, um, the vast majority of the problems that we face in this world, in leadership, in sales, and the success or failure of those, the majority of those have to do with the amount that we either spend thinking about ourselves or on others. The majority of my failures of my issues and my problems, they come from me thinking about Todd too much. And, and, and when I have the greatest success is when I'm spending the majority of my time thinking about others and how I want to honor and how I want to bless those people that have come before me, those people that largely are responsible for um, my success and my achievements. And when I focus on others, good things come. And when I focus on self, I have a lot of heartache. What a fantastic way to close out. Todd Brown, you epitomize what servant leadership is all about. I'm delighted about the success of Tom James and have no doubt about the future growth. Your orientation toward other people, toward service, toward personal integrity is inspiring. And on behalf of all of our listeners, thank you so much for the generosity of your time today on The Action Catalyst. Thank you, Dan, for uh, your time. It is, um, it's, again, a great honor and privilege just to, to share some of the, the, the insights and the wisdom and the knowledge and the truths that have been infused into myself. And as I said to begin with, you won't hear a single original idea, but it is um, the, the collection from a lot of very, very brilliant people that I've been just fortunate enough um, to, uh, to be surrounded by. And, um, and know that each and every one of you on this call, um, you are far greater than you ever imagined. And um, you were not made for mediocrity. You were absolutely made for greatness. And on that note, we will move forward in that direction. Todd Brown, thank you again. Thank you, Dan. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.